This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. I'm Lindsay, and I serve here at Vortex as our children's pastor at our East Campus, or Eastgate Campus. If you would have told me nine years ago when Vortex opened on its very first Sunday that I would be standing here today speaking to you, I would have told you that you were crazy. Um, But then again, if you would have told me five years ago that I was going to be a mom of four kids, I would have told you exactly what I told Pastor Kevin when he said that he thought that was a great idea. Actually, I probably won't tell you exactly what I said to him, but what I will tell you is that he followed that up with saying that he was going to pray for me for that to happen. So without further ado, five years later, I want to introduce you to our family. This is Chris and I and Eli Owen Avery and Emerson. I probably could have picked a little bit of a cleaner picture literally for you. This was in a camping trip a few days in, no baths, no screens, and we still managed to find a way to get close enough to each other um, with a smile on our face. So I just really want to share with you that I do believe that God gives us exactly what we need even when we don't realize we need it, and I'm super thankful for that in our family. As we reflect on this last series, Heart of the House, it's been really something very personal to me. So when Pastor Kevin asked me today to speak to you, I knew that I kind of needed to confess a little bit of my story. See, I came to know Jesus when I was 19 years old. I was actually on a trip in Europe with my grandparents, my Oma and my Opa, and my cousin Gina, who's also one of my very most favorite people in the world. And if you come to Vortex and you've been around, you may know her as Regina. And if you do, you know exactly the type of person that she is. And it was actually because of Gina and this peace that she had about her and this confidence in her faith that led me to know who Jesus could be to me. I'll never forget that elevator ride down in that hotel in Paris that changed my life forever. Now, if I go with my my Oma, she's a very strong woman of faith, and she was very excited about this decision, as you could imagine. But what I didn't realize and didn't think was so great was that for weeks, months, years, I was going to get a lot of phone calls where inevitably she was going to ask me if I was going to church, and then she was going to fuss at me, which is how I interpreted it, for me saying no. Can I just tell you, I avoided a lot of calls. I even remember telling her so, so firmly, I said, Oma, I don't need to go to church to know Jesus. Me and him are good. And I just believed it. I just believed I was right and she was wrong. And little did I know that things would change for me. As Chris and I were married and a few years into our marriage, we had started attending our first church. And as we did, I started to see a little bit of what Alma was talking about. 
So as you can imagine, I was super excited to tell her that we had finally found a church home. In her fashion, she wasn't going to let me off the hook so easily as the very first words that came out of her mouth were, does that church teach from the Bible? Because you know not all churches teach from the Bible. So it took a little convincing, but then she was sold and extremely happy for the decision that we had made. She wanted so much more for me than what I knew that I needed. She wanted us to be a part of all that God had in store for us. It wasn't that she just wanted us to go to church. And while I could talk a lot to you today about how the church has changed my life, I want to spend the rest of my time talking to you about what it means to be a part of a church family. And we even see it in Scripture. We're going to go to Ephesians 1.5. And it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. See, what we see in this is that out of joy, before the universe was created, God chose to adopt us into this experience of what God was. And that is, that is my point for us today, is that God is family. And we get to fulfill that as the church. See, what my Oma taught me was that church isn't a building. Church isn't an event. It's not even a requirement, but it is something that we belong to. It's a relationship that we're called to be a part of. It's a family. And now you might be thinking that, you know, family takes work, and it's all you can do to show up on a Sunday morning. And I get it. If you have kids, the struggle is real. But I want to assure you of something, and that, like my Alma wanted more for me, we, as this house, want all that God has in store for you, too. And when you show up, whether or not you realize it or not, you open up an opportunity to grow in the family. And let's talk about kids. Every time you show up, your kids are having an opportunity to build relationships. They're, they're building connections with leaders who really just display God's love in action. And they're forming relationships with kids just as crazy as yours. And they get to do that just because you got here. Now, I want to talk about those kids and the relationships that they have. They're not just relationships that they, they see and experience on a Sunday morning. They represent brotherhoods and sisterhoods that are forming. And they represent what our Vortex Kids ministry is all about. But the bigger thing and the more beautiful thing is that they represent, and this experience represents what it means to be a part of God's family. And that will be a part of who they are forever. Well, hey, everybody. My name's Brian. I have the the privilege to be on staff here at Vortex Church. And, and first of all, I'm just excited to have this opportunity to share with you today, something that, that God has been put on my heart throughout my life as a Christian. And uh, I'm just excited to share that with you today. And also, you know, I'm just thankful to have a pastor that, 
that not only puts the trust in his staff to, to get on stage and share with you guys, but, but also just his ability to see potential in people that sometimes, you know, we just don't see it in ourselves. So I'm just thankful for Pastor Kevin and his leadership over, over me, my family, and the staff here at Vortex Church. And a little bit about me. Um, I'm a family man. I, I love my family. Uh, me and my wife, we dated in high school. Uh, yeah, I took her to the prom. And then after many years of her just continuing to stalk me, she eventually convinced me to marry her. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like that was the second best decision in my life, second to following Christ. And, and now here we are. We've got three kids, all boys. So if you have boys, you know what it's like. It's smelly. It's rowdy. It's messy. But I love them. We've got a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and a nine-year-old. And they, they truly just they keep us busy. But I just I love their energy. I love being a part of their life and everything that God is doing with them and through them. And for me, I, I'm blessed that I actually get to work from home. Even pre-pandemic, I've been working remotely for about six to seven years now. And, and I say that's a blessing because if I had to go to an office or if I had to travel at this time, I'd miss a lot of time with my kids. So for me, working from home, it, it frees up time that I'm able to go downstairs and just kind of spend a few minutes with them during the workday. And I, I truly do value that time and how God's allowed me to step into that career to have that time. Uh, it wasn't always like that, though. Um, there were many years that I traveled. And when I say I traveled, I was 80 to 90 percent away from the house, and it was, you know, somewhere in 300 to 350 flights a year. It was Monday through Thursday, sometimes through Friday, and, you know, the only days I was at home was Saturday and Sunday, but pre-kids, you know, me and my wife, we were able to kind of navigate that because she was working, I was working, and then we just come together on Saturday and Sunday, and it really wasn't until we had our firstborn, he's nine now, and then fast forward to when he was, he was three, um, I, was, I was packing my suitcase, I was about to head out on the road, I was uh, gearing up for another trip, and I'm giving him and my wife a hug, telling them I love them, and, and he just took a step back from me in that moment, and as honest as he could, he looked at me and just said, oh, you're leaving me again. And, you know, to, the, to this day, that still impacts me, and it's one of the reasons I feel like God's given me the blessing to work remotely, but, and he did not say that to make me feel guilty. He didn't say that to cause hurt to me or, you know, anything negatively. He was truly just showing me the love that he had, and he was proving that love wants you present, right? He was showing me his heart, his heart that he had for our house, and he wanted me to know that he wanted me present. He wanted me at home. He wanted me with him. He wanted him and I to continue and actively have a relationship together. And I can't help but think sometimes if I'm not careful, that's how my relationship with God can, can be, right? Like when I get in a valley or I get down, I start to isolate myself. I start to pull myself away from God. I get out of Scripture. Maybe I don't get plugged in or serve as much as I should. And maybe I even distance myself from attending church, and I'm not going as consistently as I, I should. And I can just envision God just sitting back and saying, oh, you're leaving me again? See, we know God loves us. Scripture tells us he loved us so much that he gave his only son to us. Like we know he loves us. But he wants us to love him back. He wants us to have a heart for his house just as much as he has a heart for us. But what does that even mean, having a heart for house? We hear that in, in the Christian, Christian communities, at church, have a heart for the house. 
But what does that even truly mean? And I feel like the best way to find out is to go into Scripture. And one of my, one of my favorite guys in Scripture is David. I just I love everything about David, where, where he started, everything he went through, and how he just became the ultimate man of God and his heart for the house. And in Psalms 27, verse 4, I believe David lays out these priorities in this verse for what it took for him to have a heart for the house. And David says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now, interestingly enough, the first thing in this scripture says one thing. So David right then is telling us the priority that he has placed on this, this one thing is most important to him past, present, and future in his life, all that matters is this one thing, because he knows if the Lord gives this to him, then all his days will be focused on the Lord, and he'll be living out the calling that the Lord has for him. And I feel like if we take a step back and look at our own lives, what do we put value on? We put value on time. Time is extremely valuable to us. You know, it impacts every relationship we have. If we spend more time at work and less time with our family, we're going to succeed in work. If we, if we take time from one relationship and put it in another, the relationship with the more time is going to prosper. So I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this. Do you have time for God's house? Because when we talk about having a heart for the house, it is going to take time and it is going to take commitments. And when we revisit this, this passage, Psalms 27, verse 4, I feel like we can break this down into five commitments that David has given us given us to have a heart for the house. Number one, David says, if you have a heart for the house, you're making a commitment in your heart. Number two, you're making a commitment to pursue him. Number three, a commitment to be planted in God's house. Number four, a commitment to focus on what's important. And number five, a commitment to be in a relationship with God. Now, there's one commitment that I feel like is extremely valuable, valuable that's not touched on in this scripture, and that is a commitment to people. If we fast forward to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, this is where Paul is telling the people, hey, this is what it's like to be Christ-like. This is what you need to do to imitate Christ. And he starts out by saying, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And notice he starts with rather, so we're already on the wrong path, and he's trying to put us on the right path there. And I believe Confirmation from this verse tells me that you cannot have a relationship with God. You cannot love Jesus if you do not love his people. But the truth is, it's going to take your time, and it's going to take your commitments, and it's going to take your love for people, and it's not always going to be easy. There are going to be times that it's extremely uncomfortable because we're not just trying to fill seats between the walls of a building. What we're trying to do is create a, a an environment, an opportunity, an in, a place where people can encounter the love of Jesus and the message of Jesus because it's all about Jesus. And this, this is extremely important. No matter how uncomfortable it gets, we cannot throw in the towel. We cannot quit because God wants a relationship with you. God wants to hear from you, and God wants to respond from you. Scripture tells us that God has good plans for my life. He has good plans for your life, and he wants to let us know. Those are not plans for evil or for us to fail. Those are plans to give us hope and joy, and he, want, he has to be able to respond. We have to talk to him. We have to get into a relationship with him, and if you're willing to give him your time, 
if you're willing to make the commitments, if you're willing to open up and allow Jesus to occupy all aspects of your life, we'll build up the church and you'll be living out the calling that God has for you. Hey everyone, my name is Maddie and I am so honored to be here with you guys to speak to you from an online platform today and we're in a series of A Heart for the House and I'm glad that I get to be here to tell you a little bit about my story and how I have a heart for the house personally. So I want to take you all the way back to my childhood and you may be like, Maddie, that, that hasn't been too long ago. But it has. It's been like 19 years ago, and that's a long time for me. But when I was a kid, I hated sleeping by myself. I refused to, honestly. I would either be sleeping with my two brothers, I have an older and a younger brother, in the same bed, or if they wouldn't let me sleep with them, I would legit go and sleep with my parents, either between them, at the foot of the bed, or even when they didn't want me to be in there, I slept on the floor beside their bed, and they didn't like that too much, but it was a huge fear for me, and maybe you're asking why, or maybe you have kids like that that doesn't like sleeping by themselves, and I, and I can assure you that it'll get better. They'll come out of that fear, but the fear that I had was being alone. I was afraid of being alone. And honestly, um, when, I, when I grew up, I was hoping that that fear would just go away. But honestly, it never did. I remember struggling, having so many moments in my life where the fear would take over me. And there was one specific moment that I remember. I was um, at my house, and I was still living with my family, my brothers and my parents, but it was just me at home that morning. I was getting ready. I was getting ready for a part-time job that I was working at. And I remember this, this weight just coming over my body and my heart and my mind. And honestly, I just started weeping. Um, I started panicking. And I honestly didn't know what to do. I had lost control over this fear that had come over me. So I actually called my aunt, and she called my mom, and my mom left work to come home, and um, eventually I calmed down. My nerves were settled, but I remember in that moment thinking, I'm so afraid of being alone. I'm afraid of growing up and not having anybody around me. Um, and and it was a huge fear, and it started to take over, but I remember one Sunday morning, I was sitting in the seats at Eastgate, where we have church right now, and I was sitting there, and that fear was inside of me, and we actually had a guest speaker that day, and I was listening to him, and all of a sudden, there were these words that he said that struck me, and he said, just because you don't recognize Jesus doesn't mean he isn't present. And I remember in that moment having flashbacks to when I was a kid and thinking, I'm so alone, but really, Jesus was always with me. And I remember going back to those moments where I was by myself and I, that fear of being alone and all that, and I remember 
thinking, I wasn't ever alone. Jesus was always with me. And I realized in that moment, that Sunday morning, that that we belong to something bigger than ourselves. We belong to something bigger than our fears and our emotions and our feelings. And the first thing that I can tell you that we belong to is we belong to Jesus. And he's so much bigger than us. And I can tell you that because in um, Matthew 22, it says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You see, those words tell us that we, we should love Jesus. But how do we get to know what love was in the first place? You see, God sent down his only son to teach us how to love. And that's how we can love. And Jesus doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just tell us to love him. In the following verse, it says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I can tell you two things from that verse. We need to love ourselves, but we also need to love others. And in that, in that verse, it tells us that we belong to each other. Because we belong to something greater than ourselves. We belong to Jesus and we belong to each other. And that's why I have a heart for the house. Because church isn't just something we go to. It's not a building or something we do on Sunday mornings. It's something so much greater. It's people. It's imperfect people coming together because they belong to each other. We belong to each other, and we belong to something so much greater than just ourselves. And I can be honest, like, I've come to church many Sundays and felt alone, but we, I never was. There were people around me that loved me and poured life into me, and that's what church is. It's not something that we consume. It is for us, but there's so much greater than that. You get to serve. You get to love others. You get to pray for people. And honestly, you get to let your love shine for others because Jesus loves you. And maybe you're, you're here today and you're watching and maybe you're like, yeah, I feel that alone. Like, I, like right now, you may be sitting there by yourself and you're like, I'm just alone. I don't have people around me. Do not let that define what you belong to because that's a lie. Or maybe you're here today and you're battling an addiction or maybe it's your past that you just feel broken or shame or anxiety or depression. You may feel in your heart that you belong to that, but that's not it. You belong to something so much greater than your brokenness. You belong to something so much greater than your fears because you belong to Jesus and we belong together. Hello, Vortex Church. I'm Amanda Simmons. I am uh, Pastor Kevin Simmons' wife. And you probably think, being a pastor's wife, that I've always had a heart for the church and you would be very wrong. 
Um, in fact, I felt probably the, the most uncomfortable, the most unloved, the most um, not myself whenever I was at church. So I grew up going to church. Every Sunday, my family went, and at some point in there, I did not feel okay when I was at church. I was accepted in my friend group. I was accepted in my family. I was loved um, at work, at school, and I was accepted in all the different arenas with the exception of church. Church was the one place that I felt so incredibly discomfort or uncomfortable. I felt very um, just not okay, and I didn't understand why. Because I loved Jesus. I did. I loved Jesus, but I did not love the church. And so fast forward later, I meet this incredible guy, um, Kevin Simmons, and we start dating. And immediately, I'm like, this is the guy I'm going to marry. But then we got to talking about church. And man, this guy, he loved church. I mean, when we talked about church and ministry, he talked about it like it was Carowinds or Disney World. And I'm thinking, okay, that's not going to work. I have no idea how I'm going to marry a guy that loves church that much. And there is no way in the world I could be a pastor's wife. So I'm like, I'm going to have to address this and talk to him about this very quickly. And so I confess to Kevin how I did not have a heart for the church, that church was not the place that I liked going to, that I did force myself to go to, but I didn't want to be there. And I told him I was not qualified. I was unqualified for ministry. I was unqualified and unfit to be used in the church. And he lovingly told me, Amanda, it is that very reason that God is going to use you and use you in ministry. Now, I don't know if that was his, his ploy to get me to stay with him. I don't know what it was, but I believed it. I believed that God was going to use me. And so fast forward even more than that, um, when we started looking at starting Vortex Church, there was this scripture that really kind of wrecked my heart when it came to just relationships and what it means to have really good, authentic relationships in the church. And it's out of Exodus. And so I want to explain kind of the backstory just a little bit. Um, but it's about Moses and when there was a battle with the Amalekite army and the Israelites. The Israelites are the good guys, okay? Um, that's the ones that we wanted to win the battle. And Moses and Aaron and Hur were instructed to go on the hill. And Joshua was going to be fighting the battle. So that's the stage. So let's read in Exodus 17. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Now, when I read that verse, I remember 
kind of crying over it and even talking to my husband about it because I said, I don't have an Aaron in her. I don't have anybody to lift my arms other than you, Kevin, and I know I need more. I didn't have an Aaron in her. I didn't even have a Joshua helping me to fight the battle. I didn't have that. And when we looked at starting Vortex, some of the things that we wanted to make sure that happened was, number one, we wanted to grow closer to Jesus personally, and we wanted it to be a place that other people can grow closer to Jesus. We also wanted it to be a place where people feel loved. We wanted it to be a place where people feel accepted and authentic and broken and that they can be who they are and still be accepted and loved. So I knew if I wanted a church like that, I needed to be authentic myself. I knew that I needed to be 100% authentic and 100% in. And so when we started Vortex Church, I had no idea how much healing was going to happen, how much um, this place and this church was going to transform my life because I have had bad days. I have had battles. I have been in the battle like the Israelites, but I can tell you I have found my Joshua's that are fighting that battle alongside with me. I have found my Aaron's and I have found my hers that they are holding my hands up when I'm tired and weary and I can't do it anymore. I have found those people because I have walked through these doors when I have been crying and had a bad day and they come alongside me and pray over me and love me but I made the choice to be authentic with them. I made the choice to be 100% me. And those of you that have seen me walk around with my kids know that I am definitely being me because I am all over the place. But this has, place has given me an opportunity to be loved right where I'm at. To not have an expectation of being perfect, that I can truly just be who I am. And with that being said, I mean, guys, there is power in those authentic relationships. There is power in having authentic relationships. There is so much that God uses with those relationships. You can't fight your battles alone. God didn't call Joshua to just fight that battle himself. He called Moses to stand up and hold his hands, and Moses grew weary. So he had Aaron and her hold him up, and he had people around him. We are not meant to do anything alone. We are meant to do life in authentic relationships, and this is an opportunity where I want to ask you, are you in? Are you going to be in a, a spectator that you're just going to sit like I was at church when I was younger? Are you going to just sit back and expect people to know you and to love you through your brokenness? Are you just going to be a part of it, 100% in, being you, being your broken self, allowing God to heal you through these relationships? Does this mean you will be hurt at one point? Yes, because hurt people hurt people, and we are a house of hurt people. But it also means there's a lot of healing. And it means that there's authenticity within the grace that you're given and the grace that you give to others. I'm asking you, what are you going to do? Are you going to be in? Are you going to be authentically broken and find power in those relationships?
Well, hey, friends, my name is Jen Barker, and I am honored to be on staff here at Vortex Church. And uh, even beyond that, I have the privilege of being, um, of sharing the stage with some of my best friends in ministry to talk about one of my favorite things, and that is the church. You see, G Jesus has energized my heart um, so much about the church. Uh, but they're only giving me seven minutes to talk about it. So we're going to just dive straight in head first and read what the Bible says first about the church. Uh, this scripture comes in Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. This is actually Paul talking to the church in Ephesus about how to be the church, how to carry out this calling that God has put on their life. He says, he, who is Jesus, is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Now, in other translations, you're actually going to see um, that, that, that he says that Christ is the head of the church, and that's important, so remember that. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Now, I'm blonde, um, so I have a hard time sometimes with words. I need people to break it down to me. That's not to criticize any of you that are blind. But peripheral, think about vision, the outside, on the outside. So what Paul is saying here is that the church is not on the outside. The church is the most important, not the world. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. So he is saying that the church, that the people are the conduit of, of what Jesus speaks, of how he acts, and everything that he is, it, it, it belongs to the church. And so um, this, this church, this concept of church, just a little bit about me, uh, church is not new to me. For most of my life, I've been a church girl. I grew up in the church. My parents served in the church. Uh, there was a time where we actually opened the doors to our house, and the church met in our house. Uh, I'm so thankful that I had parents that, that took me to church and reminded me of the importance of it, even um, in my rebellious college years where I, I decided I, I love Jesus, y'all, but I am too busy for the church. But you know what? They came alongside me and lovingly kept pointing me towards the church and towards the truth and encouraged me to get connected to a local church. And so uh, I finally did, and it was at that point that the local church had a huge role in pointing uh, my then-boyfriend, my now-husband, uh, to Jesus. And it was those people that prepared the way. They they provided a space, created an environment where he felt welcomed and loved, where he was able to unfold his arms and actually listen to the message of Jesus. And, and that's changed his life and my life and my kids' lives. You see, it was also the people in the local church that came beside us when we had tried to get pregnant and couldn't. And so they prayed over us and they believed with us for a miracle and we got it, not once, not twice, but three times. It was the people in the local church that also encouraged me. They in invited me into their life. They said, you know, Jen, I, I want to teach you how to read your Bible. And not only read your Bible, but how do you apply it to your life so that you can live out your faith? 
It was the people, or it is the people in the local church, I should say, that still encourage me now, y'all. We are in seasons of turmoil, of hard stuff, and they are always there helping, holding my hands up when I can't, and reminding me of God's faithfulness and promises. The point is, is that I love the church. I don't know where I would be without the church. And when God convicted me to see that church is not just a building with a pretty steeple, if you've been in church, you know where that comes from, all right? So, so bear with me. We're going to go back to elementary school here where it is, here's the church, here's the steeple, we're going to open the doors and see all the people, that's what the church is about. It's about the people. The church is the hope of the world because the church is about changed people changing the world with the love of Jesus. And you see, when God opened my eyes to this, I was in my early 20s, and he ignited a passion that I couldn't just attend and sit in church. I had to be a part of it. So we're going to go back to that verse, Ephesians 1.23, where Paul is talking. He says, the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. So what this is telling me, and I believe that everything in the Bible is true. So what it's saying is that the same Jesus that loved me enough to hang on a cross and die for me is also going to let me be the conduit to speak and act for him and fill everything with his presence. He's basically saying that the church is what brings heaven down to earth, and I want to be a part of that. So the thing is, when I first started, I didn't know which part I belonged to, so I just started serving in every capacity that they would let me. I greeted on a Sunday morning. I would write birthday cards and thank you cards during the week to different members of the church. I would clean the church on Fridays. I would host a small group in my house during the weekends. I would plan events, and even my pastor at the time had said, uh, I, I need help. I need some help. And so I said, yeah, I'll answer some emails for you. I'll put your calendar together. I just wanted to be a part of it. When I realized that I had the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with my friends and my family and my neighbors and my community, I was all in. And so I just want to wrap this up um, and leave you with this picture. So, so Paul is illustrating in this scripture that Christ is the head. He says he rules it all. Christ is the head of the church and we are the body. So you see my really beautiful stick illustration here. This is as bad as good as it gets, y'all. Um, this is the church. Christ is the head. The church is the body, the conduit that, that loves um, and speaks and acts on behalf of him. But pretend like you don't know what this is. Pretend like you haven't seen this. And let's just say I draw a circle. Now, it, it doesn't look like a head do, to you, does it? No, it doesn't. It just looks like a circle. Now, let's erase that and let's just put the body. Now, you don't know it's the body, but uh, my husband says it looks like an Albemarle snowflake because that's kind of how it is here now, Albemarle. You don't know if it's going to snow or if it's not. And so that's what, that's what this is. But when you put it all together, it makes a lot more sense. You see, you see, separately, the head is no good without a body. 
And separately, the body is no good with the head. But you put it together, and it makes all the sense in the world. And so what I am trying to explain to you and what I want you to see from this picture is that you have the opportunity to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and to share the love of Jesus. And that allows people to to not only change here, but to change for eternity. This is why the local church is so important to me, because it is all about Jesus. It always has been, and it always will, will be. Jesus tells us that he builds the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail it. But, and here is the beautiful part, just like this picture, he invites us into it, because the head is way more effective when it has a body. When it has the arms, the hands, the legs, the feet, the heart, the mouth, the ears, all of them to do their part. And we get to be a part of the adventure and the blessing of pointing people to eternity. Well, hey, everybody, I want to ask a question as we get started today. What, what is the house that we're talking about? What is, we, we, for a few weeks, we've been encouraging you, have a heart for the house. What is this house? And I answer it really directly. The house is a collective of people, not a building. More often than not, when we think about the house, we actually go to the, the building. When we think about the church, we think about the church building. But the, the truth of this is that the, the house of God is a collective, an assembly, a gathering of His people. And the Bible uses some pretty remarkable imagery to describe this we can go to second corinthians the apostle paul is writing this is probably his fourth letter to a church that he planted in corinth and greece and he says i am jealous for you with a godly jealousy i promised you to one husband to christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. He's saying, listen, when we started this thing, I promised you to Jesus. And he's using imagery of something that's so unique. It's a marriage that the church is is promised to a groom who is Jesus. So you fast forward to Ephesians chapter 5. The apostle Paul says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but look at this. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. The most premier passage on marriage ends by talking about the, the union of the church to Jesus. So when we Again, fast forward to Revelation chapter 19. The Apostle John is given this vision of the the end times. He says, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the wedding of the Lamb. The Lamb throughout the the book of Revelation is, is Jesus. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Please hear me out. The church is the bride of Christ. We are promised to Jesus, to be perfected for Him, to be united and in union with Him. And the thing about brides is brides have such unique access to the groom, and we have that with Jesus. We've been promised unique advantages and unique benefits through our relationship to Jesus. But pay attention 
to what the, the Bible says. Revelation 19.7 says that the, this wedding day is coming and the bride on the wedding day has made herself ready. Which means that in its current inception, in the current day, we are not ready. So what kind of house do you get if the groom is perfect, but the bride is still being perfected? Another word that we could put in there is, is imperfect. That we are still being saved, as another letter from the Apostle Paul says. What kind of house do you get? You get an imperfect house. You get an imperfect house. Please hear me. No church is perfect. If you're looking for the perfect church, when you show up, it immediately becomes imperfect because none of us are perfect. The, the job of a church is to reflect in its community the character and the nature of God. And, and no church perfectly reflects the character and the nature of God. Not throughout history. And I would say that we, we can see that looking back, but, but it is true even of today. In every church, you're going to be surrounded by imperfect people. You can look around you right now. You can look in your room. You can think about the people that you know that you go to church with. They are imperfect. And that's everybody. Every church has imperfect leadership. Some of you are like, I don't think so. We showed up at this church because we believe in you, Kevin. Like, we love you. We, you. You've never done anything wrong. Please, please understand if that's what you think about me, just give me plenty of time, right? It probably won't take that much time, but if you give me time, I'm going to prove you wrong. Because every church has imperfect leadership, and we have a choice, right? We can focus on, on the blemishes, or we can focus on the beauty. We can focus on the hurt that comes from the imperfection, or we can focus on the help. We can focus on, on the sin, and that's the problem, isn't it? Or we can focus on, on the story of redemption that's being written. See, the problem is sin. Sin is what's corrupted your life, and it's what's corrupted my life, and it's what's keeping us from perfectly reflecting Jesus. Now I'm going to openly ref just reflect this and, and confess that there have been plenty of times that I've got it wrong as a leader. Plenty of times. Been so many times, not only have I disappointed other people, I've disappointed myself. I remember one of those times. I was I was having a meeting with the pastor and we were in a coffee shop and I got a, I got a call and it was it was from somebody that was it was unusual to get that call and so I, I took it and just said, Hey, how are you doing? And just tears on the other end. Kevin, I need to see you. Okay. I'm in a meeting. I, I we can I can be there in a little while. No, I need to see you now. And so I, I wrapped up my meeting, got in my car, drove us about 25 minutes, and I, I walked into his office, and there he was just crying. Said, Man, what's, what's going on? I sat down. He began to tell me that he'd just discovered that his, his wife had been unfaithful. In the discovery, it, it, it wasn't a discovery that led to Remorse. It actually was a discovery that led to a lot of questions. Do I, do I want this marriage? Do I want to stay married to you? Is this what I really want for my life? 
And he's just looking at me, just crying. He looks at me and says, you know, Kevin, my, my parents got divorced. I, I don't want divorce to be the story that defines my life, that defines my family. I, I, I want to overcome this. And I, I made the mistake in there. I didn't know his wife very well, and I didn't have a relationship with her. And I sat there, and I looked at him and I said, man, I'm here for you. I'm your friend. I want you to know that I'm going to be here for you. I don't know what's going to happen, but I want you to know you got somebody on your side. I'm going to be here. I'm going to stand with you. I don't know what's going to happen with your wife. And just the color drained from his face as he looked at me and cried some more. And as I reflected, I realized that he didn't want me to be on his team. He wanted me to be on their team. When it, when it comes to husbands and, and brides, you can't be for one and against the other. See, my friend didn't want me to be for him. He wanted me to be for them. He didn't want me to be there believing that he could make it. He wanted me to be there believing that they could make it. Why? Because of Ephesians chapter 5 says the two will become one. This is why some of y'all have been married for like 20 years and you now you finish each other's sentences. Some of y'all have been married for 40 years and you're starting to look like each other because our lives, they just begin to meld together. I'm going to tell you the truth. If you came to me and said, Kevin, I love you, want to hang out. I want to be your friend, but I don't like your wife. She gets on my nerves. You can't bring her when we hang out. I'm going to be honest with you. We're not going to be friends. We're not going to hang out. I can understand where my friend was coming from in that moment when he just wanted somebody to believe in them, to believe that they could make it. And when I think about that, I, I, I think about Jesus and, and this house being His bride. And, and you know, you cannot be wholeheartedly in love with Jesus and hate the church. This is an idea that we share culturally, but you can't. Why? Because the bride and the groom are inseparable. The two have become one. This is the mystery of all of this. That in the imperfection of our reflection, that somehow in the middle of it, there is Jesus who is perfect. You know, earlier I said brides have unique access to the husband, that husbands provide unique benefits for their brides. Well, what does a husband do? He leads, provides for, and protects his family. There, there are benefits for the bride in having a right relationship with the groom. And you know what? You alone are not the bride. We, not you, we, the collective, the assembly, the gathered church, we are the bride of Christ. Jesus is the groom. And we will never fully enjoy the benefits of our relationship with God if we don't have a heart for the house. Can I pray for you today? God, we just come before you and we confess that there have been plenty of times that we have been turned off to the things of God because there are imperfect people around. 
And as long as there's sin, and as long as we are yet to be made right in your presence, this, this reflection of you is going to be imperfect. There's going to be hurt that happens. There's going to be unmet expectations. God, help us to see past it. Help us to deepen our relationship with you by having a heart for your house. Now look at me. Look at me. Maybe today, maybe today, right now, you're, you're like, you know what? I, I want, I want that relationship with Jesus. I want him to lead me. I, I want to know that Jesus is protecting me. I want to know that he's providing for me and for my family. And, and maybe right now you're like, I don't even know how. I don't know how to access that. Well, the, the first thing that we do is we choose to turn over the reins of our life to Jesus Christ. To trust him with it. To give it to him. To, to release all of that into his control. It's making him the king of our lives, calling Him Lord. And, and when we do that, Jesus becomes Savior. Maybe this is your moment right now. Maybe right now God's leading you to confess, Jesus, I've blown it. I haven't lived my life for you. If you're at one of our online platforms right now, maybe you're at our, at our online campus, you can click a button that's going to come up right now. You'll say, that's me. I'm going to raise my hand. If you're at one of our streaming platforms, you're at YouTube or Facebook, you can just type in the chat. And, and maybe if you're making that decision right now, you can text in, I choose to 97000. And maybe you're watching, you're like, you know what, I love Jesus. But I haven't experienced all of those things. Because I don't have a heart for his bride. Maybe right now the, the prayer that you need to pray is, is, is Jesus forgive me forgive me for walking away from being faithful to not just you but to your bride help me to have a heart for the house thanks for listening this podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina for more information on our church we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.